in the talk with you this afternoon. I'd like to uh, explore a little bit the uh, expressions of the heart. <coughs> when we take an overview of our life, <coughs> we have the simple summary of ourselves, human beings, uh, living on this earth, moving through the field of experience one day at a time. <clears throat> Sometimes in that general description of human being, we look a little bit more carefully and deeply, and in the care of that observation and looking, we can see that we're actually a composition. That composition includes the matters of the heart, the feeling life, it also includes the, the mental life, the field of thought, analysis, <coughs> logic, uh, reason, questioning. It includes uh, the body, of course, the elements, and accompanying all of that is uh, consciousness, that factor uh, element of the human being which is able to uh, be receptive and to connect with. And what we see that in looking and exploring this way that one thing is not independent nor disconnected from the other so that there are these mutual influences which are taking place heart, mind, body, uh, consciousness and in this interplay, interactivity uh, there we find ourselves so to speak we get to know uh, ourselves there. valuable and important to recognize and to give real attention to each one of these primary areas body, mind, heart, uh, uh, consciousness and as uh, people on the earth we also recognize that there are differences between us in which some people are more directed in one direction or one aspect than in the other. With the exploration that takes place with regard to our uh, being uh, itself, the heart plays um, an important feature, but there is a tendency, particularly in the kind of circles that some of us move in here, to exaggerate the place of the heart as if it was the most important. And if we do that, either in relationship to ourselves or others, the exaggeration of one thing will generate a blind spot elsewhere. And that looking uh, into uh, the heart, it is either over-exaggerated and that may generate too much pressure in the emotional life, too much intensity of the feelings there. The feelings get interpreted very, very easily in such a way we give them authority. We really want to notice uh, this. We might look at somebody else that we know, we make a comment to her or him, and the person says to us, well, why do you say this about me? Whatever it might be. And the response can come, well, um, my intuitions are telling me, like this. A person may actually be experiencing a certain kind of feeling at that time. It's given additional authority. And then the voice arises, either, well, I feel it, or... My intuitions are, uh, are telling me. As though that is somehow some sacred truth, it's the absolute reality of the situation, and it cannot be questioned. Oh, yes, it can. So in the view that we have, with the feeling which may accompany it, and quite some strength of feeling which may accompany it, that combination of the view and the strength of feeling doesn't in itself 
giveth extra authority. It is just that an extra feeling has accompanied it. Sometimes we hear from another, an important person in our life, and in the communication with her or him or, or them, there is some response from the other, and that is then passed to uh, us. We hear it. We may not know it at the time, but there is quite a lot of uh, sensitivity in the feeling life, possibly some vulnerability, a little bit of fearfulness, or whatever it might be. And whatever she or he says to us, though it might be directly personal, very specifically about ourselves, it can hit the place in the heart life, in the feeling life, if there is some vulnerability, sensitivities uh, at that time, it can land, and when it lands inside of us, it is given an authority to it. It isn't seen as a viewpoint at this particular time, it's seen as a statement of truth. And when something is listened to as a statement of truth, we tend to carry it. We easily regard it, oh, this is what the person is saying about myself. This is what the person intends to do in the future. So it's had an impact. It's triggered some agitation there. Feelings can be quite upset uh, uh, by it. And the combination of the strength of the feelings, being upset with what we hear or what is written to us, and then it's then carried on. And, we need, and when it's carried on, it actually affects, in the feelings, in the sensations, the relationship to the person, whoever he or she or they may be. When we hear something from the other, whoever that might be, <coughs> whatever it may be that is said to us, there's one small principle which is worth bearing in mind. It's a very simple one. This is what the person is saying today. That's all. Approval or disapproval, agitation or threat, immense support or withdrawal, whatever it might be which is coming across uh, uh, to us, which is affecting us in some way or other, it takes quite some stability and clarity to be able to hear it and to recognise in the hearing of it that the fact of what is coming over, I mean the information, or the view that is coming over, is the communication for today. And if we don't understand the simple premise of that, and the importance of that, we will carry it around, and in that it will affect the communication with that person. And Or we might carry it around, and we are holding on to it, the person she or he may have long forgotten they even said it. We are still bearing it along, either with hope or terror, around uh, what was said. <coughs> and then when the person expresses a different view, because they may have changed their mind, they may have changed their heart, their perception of oneself or whatever, and then we come back but you said before that and now you are saying this. It's almost saying to the person, you are not allowed to change your mind about anything. If what we receive is the voice of threat in the voice, 
or of anger or of discontent uh, from the other, whoever, or whatever that might be uh, about. When the, if we respond in the like, somebody says, somebody, and here I'm talking about situations, not specifically talking about uh, violence, I'm talking about the communications uh, like that. So in every, everyday communications which take place, to go back, we hear from the other, whoever that, that might be, that has, is having some impact or impression upon us. It may be said with conviction, or with agitation, or with some uh, anger, or uh, some kind of threat uh, to us in some way or other. If we want the person to carry out the threat, I'm leaving you. Uh, the threat is, I need to, I'm going to change my life. Uh, the threat is, whatever, it, I'm not going to support you, whatever it might be about all the many, many different kinds. If we respond in the like, we react clone-like with a very similar voice. This is the best way, quickest way, to get the person to follow through what they want, what they've just said. Understand? person is angry with us, or they're making some threat, I'm withdrawing, I'm whatever it might be about, and then we get very agitated, we get very upset with the person, and start criticising and blaming the person, and finding fault. This is a support for the person to go, or withdraw, or not be supportive or not be loving. Because it is very, very difficult for human beings to consistently love and be warm and friendly to a person who is consistently reactive. Sometimes we don't realise how insidious we can be. And what do I mean by that? is that every time, easy done, we say, find fault with the other. You didn't do the washing up properly, you know. Oh, well, oh, oh, you forgot to do this, or you did that, or whatever. Every aspect of the finding of the fault with the other, of itself, in itself, it is innocuous. <coughs> It just comes and goes all in the dynamics of human communication. But if it's regular, if it's a typical voice, just once a day in a single sentence of something reactive in the feeling, tone in the being, which has a negative connotation to it, and it is spoken just once a day is enough, and that gradually builds up in the other an impression. And that impression, as it builds up and is carried, the impression this other person, this partner, this friend, this family member, this boss or whoever, it gradually, slowly, slowly, it reinforces the impression it might be over days, it might be over weeks, it might be over months, but at some point, the regularity of the fault finding will consolidate and generate an angry reaction. And we think we are innocent. We think we haven't contributed to the situation. <coughs> We can't understand why this person now is getting into bed with somebody else. And it might just be that the days, weeks and months of finding a fault 
with the other person to gradually the drops have gone in, the drops have gone in and at some point the person looking at the other at her, at him, at the so-called loved one (coughs) and wondering why is she or he getting rather cool or cold or distant and we haven't been following our voice we haven't been following the niggle, the niggling, the criticism, the fault-finding, the seeing what is wrong. And what happens when we are not noticing this, and therefore the heart is kind of closing down, in the thinking, which will be the confirmation, we will go back to the past, this is the one who finds the fault, we will go back into the past and will keep remembering all the little things which pissed us off. And we'll use those, all the little things that we remember about this person who is human, not transcendental, is human, and we'll remember all these little things and we will use these little things to find fault to put the blame on and then we wonder why the person walks out of our life well (laughs) look at who one was living with so so if it's coming to us as I say and then we or to human are responding in the like What negativity does and fault-finding does, it generates the gap. And quite often, for one or the other, the gap reaches the point where it's intolerable for one or the other. Heart has got lost and the view with the negative undertone has replaced it. As I say, that's why, amongst other factors, in the actual listening to the other, uh, can I say, this is the voice of today. And there is nothing more appealing for a human being, nothing on this earth which is so appealing and so attractive and so precious and valuable as the communications of love. And that requires from us the use of heart, mind, body and consciousness to really notice and be clear with ourselves the different kinds of expressions of love. And even with the outflows of love, coming back to the uh, point that was uh, made uh, two or three days ago, even coming back, it is still no guarantee that the other whoever the other might be, will stay around. I mean, you, you could be God's gift to humanity and, and as loving, caring, in some cases romantic, precious, a human being wise and clear and never said a word which is fault-finding, never got agitated, the sublime, perfect Buddha human being within uh, there. All, all of that. You may be that person who is the Buddha of the Buddhas. It still does not guarantee the person will stay around with you. People have got their own life to live. Perhaps they prefer to take their chances elsewhere and live with another who's not so much a Buddha <laughs> as you are, <laughs> or we are. <laughs> So there's no guarantee. But the potency of love and its manifestation, I'm talking of course the the world of parents and kids and partners and friends and family and work colleagues, but it extends further afield as well. That the, the world of friendship and kindness really has a remarkable power to it 
And as said a few moments ago, to remember it manifests itself through the body, through the feelings and the heart, through the way we look and think and uh, use our good mind, and through what we are conscious of, what we are mindful of. And it's to really check in with ourselves in our relationship, not only with ourselves and others, are there authentic, genuine expressions going on to people who are important to us, as well as strangers, as well as the unfriendly, where in which in the communication it is showing itself through the body. Uh, that what that means in this case is well, two ways. One is what we are doing for the other, which we requires some activity of the body. What we are doing for the other, and that, of course, will include in that touch and hugs and the offerings there, as well as all the action. And some people, women and men, find it easier there to show their love through their actions, through what they do. Show it through uh, touch. And certainly with the kids with uh, and adults as well there, the, sometimes just the hug, the touch, the playfulness with involving uh, a touch, it can speak <coughs> and say a lot more than what the words can say. And we look as well to the expressions of the heart and in the expressions of the heart, the use of, <coughs> of the language from the heart, that is the spoken and uh, the written, is vital to keep that alive. And some people are able to express love, use the language of I love you. But some genuinely find it difficult, just find it difficult to use that. But his or her love may be showing itself through the heart. It may be showing itself through acts of service, through, uh, through touch. And similarly, when it comes to the mind as well, and I say all of this is important for us to really look at how we are as a human being in relationship to ourselves and others. Sometimes people shall we say, of the mind. Uh, there. And some of our circles get a very bad rap. It's really an unfortunate uh, there. Um, and they get told, which is a brutal thing to say to somebody, oh, you're not in touch with your feelings. You're not in touch with your, with your, with your, with your heart. And I've known people who have had this statement dumped on them. You're too much in your mind. Oh. I mean, this is kind of borders on abusive language. Yeah, the other. You're too much in your mind. Uh, there. So the person keeps hear, hearing this. And they hear it from their whoever. Meditation teachers, hopefully not this one. And, uh, hear, and hears it from their friend and their partner. And then, and then they make the terrible mistake of going to see the therapist and, uh, and the therapist says you're too much in your mind uh, and they say oh my god I'm too much in my mind yeah, etc and that must be the truth because at least six people have told me out of seven billion and then the outcome of, of that one does even more therapy because one's got to get in touch with one's feelings and with one's heart and one does you know, dynamic meditations and cathartic experiences and <coughs> kundalini yoga and, and, and dance and, and what are the other things my friends are doing um, <laughs> all, of, all of which is the intention is to get out of their mind because they're, they're, they're in, uh, in their mind we um, the arrogant, conceited thing view, we think we know what's good for everybody and tell them to get in touch with their heart. I've had friends who have done every possible 
cathartic, releasing, dyna- dynamic, biodynamic, <laughs> bioener- bioenergetics, whatever, rebirthing, gestalt, touch, tantra weekends, and you name it, they've done it, and they're still in their mind. <laughs> Poor things, they're exhausted, they're penning, they're completely broke on the verge of bankruptcy. <laughs> they're still being told the same message. It's a really hard life if, if, you, if, you, know, if you live in Byron Bay and you're in your mind. <laughs> Apologies to Byron Bay. Half, half felt. All right. It, what is the mind generating there? And some of us, and those who have the delight and the, the privilege, uh, I'm sure some of you uh, as well, got in mind here professors and uh, academics and theologians and uh, uh, philosophers and those who write serious uh, critiques and journalists who really explore into the, uh, the depth of issues for us and can help reveal and shed a lot. These people have really used their mind. They have a mind and there's an intention with it. And that uh, intention is enormously supportive and uh, uh, beneficial for us. And there are others who have their skills and use their mind from all the constructions uh, that take place and, and the commitment to work and making things work well and satisfactory for us. And they're, they're really people of the mind. And such people, you know, as I say, from the engineers to the professors and academics to those people who carefully think things through for the benefit, they're really important. And I think it's unfair, it's stereotyping to kind of take the view or adopt, adopt the view that uh, their contribution uh, uh, is only partial because they're not in touch with their feeling life. Such people, some of whom, it's just not easy for them to talk about the feelings and talk about the heart and uh, uh, expre- express what those feelings are. And who are we to be so conceited and superior to actually insist that he or she should be like that? And if we're really attuned and really connected and uh, listening uh, to each other, and if, we're, and if our mindfulness is really applying itself to the presence of the other, we'll be able to pick up where that which, which we appreciate is and what we love about the other. We'll be able to pick up whether what's going um, un- unspoken and might need to be uh, shared, if possible. But again, in in that sometimes there is pressure, and and one of the pressures which is quite common, again, in this kind of circles that uh, some of us move through, unfortunately, um, quite regularly, another of the buzzwords which one hears, it's called share. We have to share. Not everybody is into sharing. Why should everybody be into sharing? Why should we have to keep going to workshop and share our trauma and share our experiences? Or, uh, or why does the partner need to keep sharing everything? You don't share enough with me. I want you to share with me more. Why? And so again, there's some some people. It's just not their cup of tea. Not what not, not what they do. They don't, they're not into that. Not their thing. Not their, their their thing. They've been lucky. They've avoided all this therapy and all these meditation <laughs> retreats, etc. <laughs> so in in that sometimes, as I say, in the act of the listening. That which is of the heart and really listening is not placing pressure and demand on the other. And sometimes there are uh, people, plenty of people around who are quite able, to their credit, if there is something 
bothering them, something kind of unresolved or something that needs some attention, do, and all credit to the person, find a quiet spot, quiet, little quiet time, and work it out, reflect on it, see what the understanding which can emerge uh, uh, out of it, and out of that, that's of benefit there to oneself and to, uh, uh, to the friend or the partner or the family or whatever. And I think we need to respect, which is what love is about, need to respect and recognise and acknowledge the people who are important to us in our life and others, their kind of, shall we call it, modus operandi, how he or she is, the expressions of love, through action, through touch, through the heart and feelings, through the communications there, through just being present, just really being conscious uh, and really accessible. And sometimes <coughs> people can live together, can live together for, for years, years they can live together, decades. And they say, oh, I've been married. I personally haven't, haven't been uh, 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 married. I have offered, by the way, I, uh, etc. <laughs> no, thank you, Christopher. <laughs> okay, I get it. Okay, we'll just carry on loving each other as best we can, uh, uh, etc. But I did. I did. Did I? Offered, when my daughter was born, I, I offered. I wasn't quite sure if it was just to have some relief from the parents, <laughs> my parents. <laughs> You can't have a baby you know, and not be married, even. Come on. I mean, my mother had me, she wasn't married. And my grand grandmother, she was of the same. It's genetic in our family. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what we're saying. <laughs> uh, uh, there. Oh, you should be. So I, so I thought, well, I better just check. You know, you know. So I wasn't one of those going down on the hands and knees, you know, you, you, which you see in Hollywood movies, you know. It was more, a little bit half-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> Along the lines of, do you think we should get married? <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, that's what I call true love. <laughs> the person knew me well enough. All right. So sometimes in our... Communications and the expansion of the mindfulness towards the uh, towards the other. It really is a, uh, a, a listening. Incidentally, my daughter got married. I just have to add to this. There, she's now in the process of getting divorced, uh, and she got married in a church. The only time she'd ever even been in a church was when she got married. She'd never been in a church before. And so I had to get married in the church. She said, well, Dad, it's more... Whatever it is, more... Of. <laughs> and my gr- grandson, bless him, who I mentioned, he's sharp. And, you know, I didn't want, like the idea at all of you know, my, my daughter getting married. Partly because it's so patriarchal. It just goes against all my feminine <laughs> instincts. <laughs> and... You walk up, I don't know if any of you have been through this, <laughs> middle, ages, middle Ages ritual, just even thinking about it makes me squirm. You walk up the aisle with the bride, one's uh, daughter, and then you get there and there's the priest sta- standing there, and, there and, and the guests, you know, they've obviously had a shower that day and put on some clean clothes. And then you walk up, and then you hand over <laughs> like a possession you know, like a box of chocolates <laughs> and there's this guy standing there and he's got his best mate beside him and, saying, and you hand over your daughter like you know you know Christmas present <laughs> for there and my grandson this is true my grandson uh, there and, and he said it's not fair. 
if you're going to give mum away, I want to walk up the aisle and give her away as well. So we walked up the aisle either side. It was comforting in a certain way that the grandfather of the grandson was handing the mother over to this guy. Phenomenal these situations. All right. So um, sometimes in the rela- uh, relationship, as I mentioned, body, heart, <coughs> communications, uh, uh, wise use of the mind, consciousness, presence, um, really exploring that and really giving a little time, some beautifully. Uh, genuinely well integrated uh, in these uh, areas are very receptive to the various expressions but as mentioned some it's more in one direction than the other in, but to respect that and, uh, I just had a, a, an email from a, a friend she is hugely heartful really expansive in her heart, heartfulness and in the email she said she said to me uh, she's doing some um, um, training some studies at the moment and that requires a thesis and a, a lot of the mind and she finds it incredibly hard finding herself doing lots of things to avoid having to do it to, I mean, to do the study and to do the research and to really use her mind. It just kind of goes against her being. And it isn't easy with so much pressure, uh, as it were, in this direction, where people are so much pressure to use the mind, education being the obvious example of this, and quite neglecting and forgetting the heartfulness. And I mentioned this, for those of you who are parents, watch the pressure. Watch the pressure you put on your kids. Watch the pressure of forcing them to do their homework. It would easily generate a reaction from them. It may be going against their deeper instincts. It may be requiring that the kids want to play. We are robbing children of play. That's, that's really sad. So the children are being told to behave like adults. Well, we, the adults, <laughs> behave like children. <laughs> so listening to those who are close to us, responding there, and all of that is part of a clarity, it's an exp- countless expressions of love. It may, because of the umbrella concept of love, yeah, need and require from us, both outwardly and uh, inwardly, to recognise in our life, while here, and elsewhere that and to know the difference here between that which is love and that which one likes to do and the two concepts easy enough get muddled up together here we say oh um, I like I whatever I love chocolate I love to. Uh, oh God, I can't think of anything at the moment. Um, small things in life, which one that which one says one loves to do there, whatever that might be about. Lots of little things. We use the word uh, use the word love. Unfortunately, the frequency of use of the word love, just about anything and every, uh, every, every everything, in a way, the view I have tends to reduce the importance of what love is. And love is, a, is something deep. Uh, with love, it expresses a deep interest. That there is such a recognition of the importance of love, 
it matters more than the successful outcome. One, in a way, exploring life to be true to love, regardless of what, but to be true to it, because it is such a, a powerful principle of human existence and its engagement in, uh, in this world. And if we kind of preserve it, or we respond to it, then when we are using, let's say, the language of like, uh, there which is fine to use, but we know it's about the lighter things. Oh, you know, I, you know, I like to go and have a cup of tea and a cake, or I like to have a conversation with my friend, uh, 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 like this item of uh, clothing, I like to play a piece of music, etc., Keep the language of light as much as possible in the everyday lightness, chatter, communications there, I, I, I like. And keep, if I might invite, the language of love as something with authority and power and something precious and, and deep and beautiful about it. And that in the heart will bring out of us a certain kind of focus because we're not confusing lights which are very very temporary often you know, a bit lightweight or superficial or just chatty or whatever with the power of love and to keep love as a real uh, priority for us it's worth a reflection on and the love brings with it a commitment and the commitment to it is a following up as well is is the voice which is one of the challenges for uh, all of us finding the languages which some way commun communicate love and if one wishes to be listened to which is the only point in speaking whatever other point is there one speaks to somebody because one wants to be listened to. Sometimes we forget that. Yeah. And, but if we wish to be listened to, it's a lot easier if the voice is loving. It just happens to be a lot easier. It's pretty simple. But it might be that in the heart and the communication of love in the voice to the other, there may be something which we need to state, you know, rather firmly or clearly, straightforwardly or whatever. It's a lot, lot easier if the one or ones who are or is uh, listening recognizes and appreciates that there is real care in the voice. As humans, we can hear things much more easily, much more easily, if one knows the person who is speaking to us really does care for us. And then, then one can hear it. Because the most important thing for a human being, at least in my small journey on, on this earth, too most important, is to feel loved and to feel understood. So before as it were, disclosing something one's concerned or upset or troubled by in the words or behaviour of the other. And we really want that person to hear what we have to say. The heart is going to be extraordinarily important. It's going to need to recognise with dignity the human being, no matter who she or he is, no matter what he or she has done, and people do violent and very abusive things, as we know, but they need, still need to be sensed that they are a human being worthy of our attention. <coughs> Something of the languages of love are communicated. And then the more difficult issue which needs to be addressed, cannot be denied or repressed or untouched, is then communicated because the preparatory ground of friendship and kindness and presence and concern is expressed initially. And on that basis we can speak.
when we just react and we just attack and blame and fault finding, we are then doing the very thing which we don't want to happen. The person will either do three things. They will either they will withdraw because they can't cope with it, even if everything that one says is right because of the attack which is going with it. Secondly, they might attack back. Well, what about you? And then it's thrown all back. And that's, uh, that doubles the conflict from there. Or thirdly, they just go silent. They just withdraw inwardly. So some withdraw physically, move out of our life, move away from us, don't want to have any touch with us, contact. Or sometimes it's the, there's a withdrawal in the, in, through, the, through the silence. Uh, there, and it takes some skill and practice and exploration in the matters of the heart and communication to really, as best we can, know the other and know oneself and see what is the vehicle which will allow that flow. And on some, in some situations, uh, there. The environment, because life is environmental, that the environment of where we are and when we are going to speak something to another which is really significant and important, please, please be mindful of your environment. Where, what's the best place for that communication to take place? And sometimes at home it is not. Sometimes the home can be a place of pain, disappointment, violence, and the environment, that means that, falls into the background. And therefore, it might be wise, if and when possible, to find, a, with a skillful and important communication, the right environment. So I want to give this time and place and person, and theme, and the heart, love, friendship, clarity, and the communication that goes with it. And that does then provide the maximum opportunities for a communication which is difficult. It isn't always easy. Of course it is indeed. It isn't easy. But events take place in life because of the conditions coming together for, for them to take place. Just finally here, with this uh, umbrella concept, that to really expand it out, and it might be that in our uh, reflections, with ourselves and uh, with others, are there aspects of love, which you and I, we could cultivate and develop. Kindness. Romantic love. Friendship. Compassion. Joy. The power of attention. Generosity. Stillness. The ability to receive. The tone of the voice the creative expression, uh, the gift, the touch, the engagement on behalf of, and many others. So we look at love, we say this is a powerful aspect of the field of human existence. There are many aspects and avenues for it to run through. It might be that we have some development or strength and cultivation of it in some areas and it might be that we recognise in other areas more practice, more exploration in those uh, areas and we remain quietly committed to it. So, to uh, use the language of the Buddha for a moment, the heart is immeasurable. 
There is no limit to the power of love. There is no limit to the manifestations and expressions of it. And it's a tremendous attribute of our species that there are women and men who have a tremendous love and that love flows out in many ways in many different uh, directions uh, there. And such people, past and present, are quite <coughs> often some of the great heroes of our species. Those who have loved so much, so much dedication to others, it was more important to them than the preservation of their own life. We have some remarkable examples of this outreach and extension of love in a whole variety of ways which can offer us much inspiration and uh, insight and, lear and learning and therefore perhaps you and I in our own small way can make a contribution to bringing love into this world for people, for creatures and for the environment. It's our first priority. Let's have our quiet minute, shall we, please? May all beings live mindful lives. May all beings appreciate the different expressions of love. May all beings be grounded in wisdom. The time now is around.